Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the New Testament reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Alleluia! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Alleluia. That's why I love Easter, because of that great response. Makes me want to do it again. Alleluia! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Love it. Gets you in the spirit of the season, right? Alleluia! I'm a sinner! I'm a sinner indeed. Alleluia. We are going to get a little real today. But the question is, will you read the words on the screen without thinking twice? Yes, we will. Okay, then. I need a hundred bucks. I'll give it to you. Sometimes we come and read the words on the screen or on the paper or in the book, and we respond. We respond immediately with great enthusiasm. Sometimes we respond hesitantly. Less enthusiasm. We, we take a moment to digest it. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Sometimes we respond with a little doubt. Sometimes we don't respond at all, or if we do, it's a big no. Sometimes we come and read the words on the screen, but it doesn't really do anything for us. These four responses are the Christian life, if you can imagine it, though probably not the same for everyone in any respect, but generally speaking. The Easter enthusiasm is one extreme. When we're on the mountaintop, moments like baptism, confirmation, receiving the Lord's Supper, a youth gathering, or maybe if faith came later in life, you have a deeper understanding of the impact it makes. Maybe this is sitting in Bible study or worship and the light bulb goes on and you finally get something you've always wondered about. This is Peter at the transfiguration of Jesus saying, It is good, Lord, to be here. This is Thomas seeing Jesus risen from the dead. My Lord and my God. The less enthusiastic response is us every other Sunday of the year. Am I a sinner in need of Christ's forgiveness? Yeah, I guess that's true. Should I go to church and hear that life-saving message? Yeah, I probably should go. The doubtful response is us every other day of the week. God knows where I'm at, so I don't really need to participate in the life of the church. It's not like it's going to make a big difference anyway. I mean, my faith is just my faith anyway. Do I even need the church? The other extreme would be those moments in life when we give in to temptation and sin, when we reject God, maybe when we stop believing altogether. God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and we say, no. God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and we say, no. Again, this is Thomas saying, unless I see where the nails were and touch him, I will not believe. And it's Peter saying, 
Lord, you are not going to die. We, of course, know that Jesus responds by saying, Get behind me, Satan. We probably live most of our life somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. We hear these great words that Christ is risen, but it doesn't really change anything. It doesn't make a difference. That is not the message of Easter. The message of Easter is that everything changes. And yet, we still might think, well, what's different about this Easter? It's the same story year after year after year. Now, I never really thought too deeply of the scene of the crucifixion and the resurrection like I have since my trip to Israel, being in the places where it actually happened. Then again, I never really had the desire to go and visit these places until the opportunity was presented to me. Since then, everything has changed. And so this Holy Week has been quite unique from every other Holy Week in the 37 Holy Weeks I've been a part of. I'm not telling you that you should go to Israel and visit these places, although I wouldn't tell you not to either. What I would encourage you to do is view the Easter story from a different set of eyes, apart from your own. Paul writes in the New Testament reading from 1 Corinthians that you heard earlier. Now, remember, Paul was formerly a Pharisee who was responsible for killing all the people who believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. He was arresting Christians to be jailed or killed. That is, until the resurrected Christ appeared to him. What can make a man go from killing Christians to being one? He writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is the gospel message summed up. Christ died and Christ was raised. It is the most important message that you can hear because this changes everything. Paul, of course, had firsthand knowledge of this. But how does it change everything? Or better yet, why does it matter? If Christ has not been raised, as Paul writes, our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. If there's no resurrection from the dead, Satan has not been defeated, death has not been defeated, and sin has not been defeated. So we are back to being sinners who need to be rescued and we cannot do it ourselves. And Jesus was the best chance we had. And if he didn't do it, then we are hopeless and people to be pitied, as Paul goes on to say. If it's not true, our faith is worthless. Easter is worthless. Today is worthless. There's no reason for you to be here. There's no reason for me to be here. Even more, for those who don't believe or think that this is not true, Maybe they even view this church, my job, my career, my calling as a sham. It's just one big joke because I just live one huge lie every day of my life. And so do you. 
I even just heard today being referred to being about zombie Jesus. You know, the walking dead. Of course, we know that God's word tells us that his body would not see decay. Also, Jesus ate fish after he rose, not brain, so just a little different. The point is, without sins forgiven, there is only one thing in store for all of us. Death. Physical death, yes, but eternal death as well. Hell. Because the wages of sin is death. And we're all sinners. And if Jesus hasn't overcome death, we are all dead men walking. Or better yet, we are the walking dead. Because there's no hope for us. We are to be pitied because we're living a lie. Maybe for some of you, you think the same thing. That this whole Easter, this gospel thing, doesn't really do anything for you. And this church, my job, is a joke. Maybe you even think I'm a big joke. A fool. And to that, what I can say is I've done the best that I can. The poor, helpless, miserable sinner that I am. I mean, maybe not alleluia, but I am a sinner indeed. I can also say thank God, because this whole Easter, this gospel thing, isn't about me. This job, this career, this calling, isn't about me either. It never has and never will be. It's about Jesus Christ, crucified, died, and risen from the dead. When I am gone, his word remains. The message will never change. It's about the empty cross and the empty tomb. Since this isn't about me, I won't talk anymore about myself. I'll talk about the people that matter most. Those who were there. Those who saw it. And those who wrote about seeing it. In the gospel reading this morning... You heard about some of the women who were at the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene and another Mary. They get the wonderful message from the angel. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Then they actually see Jesus and touch him and worship him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians about more of the people Jesus appeared to. He appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. There were so many eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it could not be denied. And Paul, mentioning them all, invites any doubters at the time of his writing to go and see for yourself if people experience the resurrected Christ, the greatest miracle of all time. And what about those who aren't mentioned? Plenty of people could have been in that crowd of 500. All those who had been touched by Jesus or experienced some miracle from him. Imagine what it must have been like if they saw him risen from the dead. It's quite possible that some of them actually did see Jesus after that first Easter. The woman who had been bleeding 
for 12 years and reaches out to touch Jesus' clothes. Her bleeding stops. And now she sees her Savior face to face again, the one whose blood was shed for her. Or Zacchaeus, who climbed a tree to see Jesus, sees Jesus who was nailed to a tree, died on a tree, and is now resurrected because death has no hold on him. And he remembers Jesus' words. Today, salvation has come to this house. What about the widow of Nain and her son, Jairus and his daughter, or Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, who experienced their own resurrections when Jesus raised one of them from the dead? And now they see Jesus and really understand his words. I am the resurrection and the life. The sinful woman at Simon the Pharisee's house who washes Jesus' feet with her tears and dries them with her hair, pours perfume on them, understands that through Jesus' death and resurrection that he has washed her clean. Or the woman who was about to be stoned for adultery, Jesus told her, go and leave your life of sin, now understands that Jesus died and rose for her life of sin. Joseph of Arimathea, who placed Jesus in his own tomb, saw that Jesus didn't need to use it for very long. Or the one leper who returned to Jesus praising God, the paralyzed man who was lowered in through the roof, Peter's mother-in-law, the Samaritan woman at the well, the Canaanite woman who just wanted some crumbs of healing, the blind men who Jesus rubbed spit and dirt on his eyes. There were so many who experienced some sort of miracle from Jesus. And what about the people in the beginning of Jesus' story? The shepherds, the wise men, who saw the newborn king and now get to worship the resurrected king. And finally, Jesus' mother, Mary, the one who brought him into this life, who saw him give up his life on the cross only to take it back up again in the resurrection. The angel told her his name would be Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And that's what he did, and that's what she saw. And it all became certain the moment he rose from the dead. The resurrection changes everything, because the resurrection changes you. Christ changes you. And why does it matter? Well, I've heard it said that the gospel is karma's worst nightmare. We get the exact opposite of what we deserve. And that is true. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We go from being sinners deserving eternal death, hell, to saints gifted with the greatest gift ever given, eternal life, heaven. It doesn't make sense that someone, God, would love us so much that he would come and die for us, that he would sacrifice his life, that he would take hell to give us heaven. We don't deserve it, but we receive it because God loves us. Love kept him on the cross. And now Jesus, who rose from the dead that first Easter, comes to us every other day of the year through his word. 
He meets us in the waters of baptism as we are baptized into his death and resurrection. And he comes to us with his body and his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and for our salvation when we gather together to receive his supper. We've all had an encounter with the resurrected Christ in some way. And he has given us his Holy Spirit to make the change in us, to give us the gift of faith, and to work those fruits of the Spirit. We are given the power to love God and love others even when we don't want to, to remember the Sabbath day even when sleep sounds better, because we are receiving God's means of grace that he's given specifically to his church. This is the life God helps us live every Easter and every other day of the year, living who he has called us to be. We are unworthy, but Christ makes us worthy because Christ died and rose. It is true. Our faith is not worthless. You are not worthless. You are the most important thing. That's why Jesus died and rose. And that is what is of first importance. That is the message of Easter. For you, me, and for all people. Alleluia! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our risen Savior. Amen.